Easter Sunday morning. Can you believe it? As we've been seeing all morning uh, through every single one of you sending in, the line is, he is risen and he is risen indeed. Incredible. Uh, hands up. So there's a little hands up emoji. So hands up in the chat, everyone watching on Easter Sunday morning. Hands up because last Sunday on Palm Sunday, 37 people gave their lives to Jesus. So hands up in the chat. We want to celebrate, even in this season, all that God is doing in and through each and every one of our lives. It's a, it's a remarkable thing to see. You know, the first Easter Sunday introduced a new word, a better word, and that word is resurrection. And this singular word, this single word, it, it brings into focus the most important question that every single one of us have to answer. It's a question that we saw last week on Palm Sunday. The crowd began to be stirred up and they asked this singular question. It's three words. It's who is Jesus? Because again, last Sunday we talked about how Jesus was received as a king on Palm Sunday, how he was recognized, however, though, as a prophet from Nazareth. And then on Good Friday, which was just a couple of days ago, where we looked longingly at the cross, where we looked deep at the cross, where we poured our hearts out and opened up our hearts to this sacrifice of love that Jesus made for you and for me. We see him as a priest, as a high priest, not only making an offering, but becoming an offering. Behold, his cousin John said, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And so we've seen Jesus as prophet and we've seen him as priest. But today we want to look at him as, to ask him as king. And so which leads us, I think, to Easter Sunday, which is for us to be rescued. There needs to be a resurrection. For you and I to be saved, to be born again, to be rescued, to be enraptured by the love of God, there needed to be a resurrection. Because for Jesus to say, while he lived on the third day, I'm going to rise again. Come on, how many of you know that is an all or nothing proposition? If not for this Sunday, everybody in the chat type this Sunday. Go for it. If not for this Sunday, then Jesus is simply another profound, even powerful dead man, which signifies dead dreams and dead hopes. No, his claim to rise again on the third day was again, it was an all or nothing proposition. You know, in the days before and leading up to Easter Sunday, we see that Peter, one of his closest disciples, betrays Jesus. We see another Thomas who, even when he begins to hear about the resurrection, he doubts. We see crowds that mock and jeer who he is. The question is, why? Why was this occurring? It was occurring for a very simple and profound truth. Because if Jesus is who he said he was, then this all should not have been happening. Kings, in our context, in their context, kings do one thing. They conquer or they are being conquered. It's as simple as that. Kings hold on to power and they take power. But kings do not lay down their lives for others. But Jesus is no ordinary king, just like he was no ordinary prophet, an ordinary priest. 
Jesus is altogether different. In fact, leading up to the cross, what was one of the most stinging accusations that was brought to Jesus? It was this. Well, you healed others. In other words, you talked such a big game. You healed others. And then here was the stinging accusation. Why don't you heal? And why don't you, more importantly, why don't you save yourself? But the truth of the matter is everything about this week leading up to this glorious day was not about saving ourselves. No, no, we've been trying that for decades and generations and many of us are still trying it today to make ourselves good enough, to make ourselves holy, to make ourselves right with God and our own effort and our own accord or compared to other people. No, 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 no. What was dying and needed to die was the whole idea that you and I could ever reconcile ourselves to God, that you and I could ever save ourselves. And so the most stinging accusation surfaces the most fundamental desire oftentimes of humanity. And it's this thing inside of us that says, save yourself, look out for number one. But again, that is what's precisely needed to die with Jesus on Good Friday so that he could be for us a better word. That no longer would it be save yourself, but the word that we would need and that Jesus brought because of this day is that we are saved by this glorious thing called grace. You know, I want you to think about the worst possible things that can happen to us, that can happen to humanity. Have you ever been betrayed? Well, Jesus experienced that. How about falsely condemned? People said a whole bunch of things about you that weren't true, or maybe there was parts of truth, but it wasn't the whole truth. Well, Jesus experienced that. How about injustice? You've ever experienced injustice in your life? Well, Jesus also experienced it. What about people turn on him? Jesus experienced this. What about agony and pain? Oh, Jesus experienced this. And how about dying alone? In particular in this season, I think that's one of the most heartbreaking realities of a virus that we see. When we look to the story of Easter, we see that we have a God who is not distant and disconnected, who knows what it is to die alone. But Easter, everybody in the chat type, but Easter. You see, but Easter, Jesus shows us that God's love didn't only lay down as we have been inching and highlighting all throughout this better word Easter season together, you and I serve a God who got up. We serve a God who gets up, but also who got up. And God getting up was the defining moment this Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday. It is the defining moment which convinced Matthew and Mark and Luke and John and Thomas and Mary and even the brother of Jesus, James, that Jesus was who he said he was. Again, it wasn't only that he laid down his life because if not for this day, then all of those days are dead dreams and dead words and dead desires, but they're not because you and I serve a God who got up. You know, perhaps you're watching today And the claims of Christianity are really hard for you to believe. 
Well, I want you to know, you specifically today, I want you to know you're in good company. Because even those who knew Jesus the best, and even those who were his disciples who walked with him, listen to what the scriptures say about their experience with the resurrection of Jesus. Even they found it hard to believe. Here's what it says in Luke chapter 24, verses 1 to 11. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found that the stone was rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and they bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? What a profound question. Why do you seek life in dead things? Why do you seek the living? In other words, Jesus used to be here, but he's no longer here. We've got a God who got up, but they just didn't know it. He is not here. He has risen. And then these two individuals said, remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified. But on the third day, on the third day, rise. And then it says they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to the rest. Now, it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and the other women. Everybody in the chat, just type other women. Come on, go for it. Other women. I'm going to go there in a second. With them, who told these things to the apostles. Here's where you're in good company. Listen to this. Those who are closest to Jesus, these women, they come, and they deliver the message of the resurrection. And here's what it says. But these words seem to them an idle Tale. Even though Jesus had told them, even though Jesus had risen from the dead, even though they were the closest ones who Jesus said, I'm going to get up, and he did get up. For them, it seemed an idle tale, and it says they did not believe him. Now pause. This is something that I love to do every single Easter or Resurrection Sunday. The message of Jesus' resurrection is the most pivotal and profound theological truth that the church is built upon. And I want you to notice in the scripture who was the message of the resurrection given to. It was given first to women to bring to the apostles. And then it says they didn't believe the women. So as much as things have changed, they've kind of remained the same. Ha, 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 ha. No, the reality is that they were entrusted with this message of the resurrection. We at Life Center wholeheartedly believe that it is based in gifting and not gender, that any single one, male or female, that we are ministers of the gospel together. If God saw fit to entrust the message of the resurrection, which is not some secondary thing, it is the pivotal thing to these women to first deliver to the apostles. Come on, it is a new day. Why? Because our God got up. And all the women in the chat should be saying hallelujah. And all the men in the chat should be saying hallelujah. Why? Because we are better together as the body of Christ. But not only did Jesus get up, he, did, he took it one step further, and that he then began to appear to each and every one of them. And because you and I serve a God who gets up, Peter, the one who betrayed, becomes Peter, the one who belongs, who becomes Peter, the one who leads others to believe, not in the dead Jesus, but in the resurrected Jesus. 
Thomas, the one who doubts, becomes Thomas, the one who trusts, becomes Thomas, the one who is sent out to different places, who actually ends up giving his life for the cause of Jesus. So the way in which Jesus laid down his life for love, Thomas from love lays down his life so that others may not doubt but believe. These same ones who, like you, maybe are struggling to wrap their heart around it, you also need what they had. It's not just me talking about a God who got up. It's that you need Jesus. You need the Holy Spirit to do something to you in your heart, in your life, to do what I cannot do, what we cannot do, but what we believe the Holy Spirit can do. He can touch your heart and your heart can move from unbelief to belief. The disciples who fall asleep in the garden of Gethsemane, the disciples who scatter when Jesus needs them most become after the death and resurrection of Jesus. Because we have a God who gets up, they become this unified, Holy Spirit-empowered church that is able to withstand pressure and persecution. And from that day until this day, the church of God, the church of Jesus, just continues to grow, continues to unfold. Why? Because it points back to this day, because we have a God who gets up. The gospel is not this. Now here's where oftentimes it goes wrong. Here's what the gospel isn't. The gospel is not this. The gospel is not God got up so you can too. In your circumstances you can rise and then preachers can begin to preach and hallelujah and do everything that they begin to do. No, 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 no. The gospel is not God got up so you can too. The gospel is God got up and would you let him raise you up? Would you let him bring you up? Would you let him heal you, save you, restore you, encourage you, give you peace? We needed to be rescued and we need to be rescued, which is why we needed a resurrection. Again, what died on that day was save yourself. And so the gospel is not God got up so you get up because that's still just another version of religion. That's another version of save yourself. No, the gospel is I am dead in my sins, unable to get up. But because God got up, he also lifted me up from where I was. Like the psalmist said years before, he took my feet out of a miry clay and he placed them on a solid rock. Therefore I sing and I sing a new song. If Jesus got up, the question is, will you let him bring you up from death to life, from sin to saved, from lost to found, from hopeless to anchored in Christ? And so the question is, Have you been betrayed? Well, it's not only because of this Sunday. It's not only did Jesus experience it. No, if you've been betrayed, here's the beautiful truth. Jesus defeated it so that you don't have to root in that. You can actually root in a greater truth that you and I can belong. Were you falsely condemned? Did someone say something about you? Well, Jesus defeated that. So you aren't what they say you are. You are who Jesus says you are, which that you are loved, you are adopted, that you belong, that you have a perfect heavenly father who knows how to love you and give good gifts, that you have an inheritance in Jesus, that you are not the sum total of your sin, that you're not the sum total of your failure, you're not the sum total of where maybe you blew your life apart or somebody did something to you. No, you are a daughter or a son of a God who gets up and a God who who got up, you belong in the family of Jesus. 
Have people ever turned on you? Well, Jesus defeated it, and by defeating it, he gives us the power to turn the other cheek. Have people ever disappointed you? Well, Jesus defeated that so that you and I, too, can forgive. Are you living right now with pain or agony? Jesus defeated those things so that we can experience healing or even in death. We know that the value of our soul is anchored in Christ, which death cannot defeat. That you and for me, death isn't the end of the story. So whether we experience healing on this side of eternity or that side of eternity, here's what we have absolute confidence. Yes, there's mysteries in terms of why God or maybe why God doesn't. But my heart isn't rooted in the mystery. My heart is rooted and I want your heart to be rooted in the truth and the reality that God defeated death so that you and I know that death isn't the final deal that you and I experience because we have a God who got up. You see, when God gets up, not only does earth shake, but so too did all of eternity and each and every power of darkness. Because when Jesus got up, church, I want you to know, when Jesus got up, like it says in Genesis, he crushed a snake. Here's what it says in John 12, verses 31 to 32. Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. And when I am lifted up, Jesus said, from the earth, I'm going to draw all people to myself. And that's exactly what he's doing on this day and every day. The scripture says that Jesus, as king, lived and acted and loved in a way that a king, in a way the world had never seen a king act before. But not only does our king lay down his life, but our king gets up. And when our king gets up, he crushes the enemy. He crushes the snake. The king executes judgment. The king crushes our spiritual enemy, Satan, the devil. Our king Jesus seals the enemy's fate. He is king. No appeal, no appeal court absolutely renders the enemy guilty. I love how Colossians puts it. Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the power working of God, who raised him from the dead. And you, everybody in the chat, type, and me. Go for it. And me, who were dead. Not, the gospel isn't, again, it's not good people getting, being better people. It is dead people being alive and born again and becoming new in Christ. And you who were dead in your trespasses, in your sin, in your iniquity, and then in this context, it says the uncircumcision of your flesh. God made alive together with him. How? Who? God made alive. Not you made alive. Not you saved yourself. God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all of our trespasses, canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. And then this, I love this. Then he set aside, nailing it to the cross, he disarmed the rulers and the authorities and he put them to open shame by triumphing over them. Dot, dot, dot. God crushed a snake. Yes, today our spiritual enemy still tempts, still robs, still kills, still destroys, still lies. Yes, but when we pray, church, when we pray as Jesus taught us to pray that your kingdom come 
Because Jesus is king, because he got up, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. We do not pray in a powerless name. We pray in a powerful name. Only one king conquered the grave. Only one throughout all of human history. And this is the kingdom of love. This is a kingdom of life. This is a kingdom of grace. This is a kingdom of truth. It is a kingdom that is never, never, hear me with both ears and your whole heart. It is not against others, but it is for all that Jesus has done, all that Jesus is, and all that Jesus accomplished through his life through his death, and through his resurrection. Because Jesus, in love and for love and through love, laid down his life. But he didn't only lay down his life in love and in resurrection power, which is the embodiment of his love for me and for you. God, God, back up. N.T. Wright says it this way, that when we pray for God's kingdom to come, We are praying that the forces, the idols, the spiritual forces, the enemy of this world will be driven back by the power and the victory of God's love, which is rooted in what God did on this Sunday, this Resurrection Sunday. So we can be set free from not only the stain of our sin today, but the power of our sin each and every day. The hope in your heart, if you're watching this morning, if you're watching today, the hope in your heart for a better world, that longing of this isn't the way things should be, even if you don't yet know Jesus, that longing for why is the world the way it is? Why are we the way we are? That longing is a hope for a different king, for a different kingdom. It is this wooing on the inside for a greater Jesus. Because Jesus, our better word, crush the snake, you know what he invites us to do? In his name, do the exact same thing. Luke 10, verse 19 to 20 says, Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing by any means shall hurt you. Nevertheless, here's what it says, Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. In other words, don't rejoice in mere earthly things. Rejoice in that which is ultimately eternal. Church, on this Sunday, we understand that the resurrection of Jesus changed everything because for us to be rescued, there needed to be a resurrection. For me, ah, I trust my life in the one who death couldn't defeat. And so the question that I asked you at the beginning is the same question I ask you now. Who is Jesus for you? Is he your better word? I'm gonna take a moment now and I'm gonna lead us in prayer. And wherever you're watching it right now, today Jesus can become your savior, your healer, This isn't, again, about you being better, doing better. It's not about any of those things. It's not about you saving yourself. It's about you having humility enough to trust your heart and to trust your life to the only one in history, the only one in history who death couldn't defeat. He is our better word.
together, I'd be honored to lead you in prayer. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me just the way I am, yet loving me enough not to leave me the way I am. And so I confess, you are my better word. Save me. Transform me. I trust you with my heart. Amen. If that's you today on Resurrection Sunday, on Easter Sunday, if you put your heart in our God who got up, you can let us know by saying yes. You can put a hand up in the chat or you can go to connect.lifecenter.org. We'd love, we would absolutely love to, fo to follow up with you and to celebrate with you on this Resurrection Sunday. Man, we celebrate because you and I have in Jesus a God who got up and we have a better word. Come on, church. 